Doctor? What doctor? Doctor who? Doctor who, did you say? Eh? Doctor who? What are you talking about? gibberish or do you really know what you're talking about hello and welcome to episode two and our first look at the second doctor yes indeed we're going to be looking at uh, some big furry creatures aren't we not maggie big furry. no not no maggie. no she's, she's here. the third yeti isn't she she is yes yeah she's got well she has got big feet so. has she she has yeah oh, right. big okay. clawy feet do her eyes light up if you um, take her down a tunnel no, but she she does bat balls about a lot. So she she doesn't use a web gun on them. No, no, no. She she often has cobwebs on her whiskers because she's a bit of a nosy cat. I think you've got a cat there rather than a yeti. Ah, right. Yeah, but there should be some sort of helpful uh, survey that you can fill out to tell whether you've got a yeti or a cat. At least a chart or something. Yeah. So yeah. yes, what to look out for. Sort of a public service film. Mm, yeah. So Patrick Troughton in Patrick Troughton. Yes. Um, I said last time. I'm pretty darn sure. I, 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 you, you afterwards um, pointed out that what I remember of the first time I yes, saw Patrick yeah. was TV action. Yeah. It would Showing have been your a TV age, action. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that, I've been thinking about when did I first watch an actual Patrick Troughton, and I'm guessing it must have been one of those retrospectives that the BBC put on where they started showing individual well, I, episodes. I, yeah. Didn't they I do that first? So they did, yes. At the Five Faces of Doctor Who, which was shown uh, just before Peter Davison took over. Uh, and the idea was to to introduce people back to that the Doctor was different people. So after Tom Baker had played it for seven years, they were worried that like a whole generation had grown up not knowing that uh, the Doctor can regenerate. So they, they did JNT, you know, for all his faults, he he, had, he was a good producer, and he said to the BBC, "I want to show one story from each Doctor." Um, unfortunately, the uh, the surviving stories were limited in choice, especially when we get to poor old Pat. Mm -hmm. So the only one they had was the Crotons, which I do actually like. A lot of um, a lot of fans don't rate it with its weird brummy robot monsters, but I quite like the Crotons. It's not one of his best, but it's it's cheesy fun. But that would have been the first time I saw Pat Trout as the Doctor. And what do you remember thinking of him when you watched uh, that? I, at, at first I wasn't that impressed, because I thought he was he, a bit of a fool. Mm -hmm. um, I was young and naive. Um, and it's only when you, I mean, it's very difficult to see a complete, you know, a, a decent run of Pat Troughton. And it's only when you see him in a decent run that you sort of realise that his doctor acted the fool but wasn't. And that was mm. his way of uh, of sort of getting into a situation. Um, and actually, he's really, he was a really clever sort of thinking doctor. You, you notice whenever you watch an episode, even if he's in the, you know, the background not speaking... Pat Troughton is doing some amazing facial acting to show that he's thinking or he's contemplating. Or, yeah, re really good. Um, I, I remember I'd read some of the Target novelizations um, 
including the two that we're talking about today, because mm-hmm. um, the Abominable Snowman was, a, a, you know, one of the earlier uh, novelizations, and it was it's it's corking. It's really it was Terence Sticks at the height of his of his powers. Um, I didn't read the Web of Fear until much later. Um, and really enjoyed that. But Web of Fear always had the iconic status with fans. That was always the one that that was spoken of in hushed tones. Yeah, yet is in the underground. Yet it was always Yet is in the yeah. underground, wasn't it? <clears throat> it was. Um, weirdly, the first time I would have been aware of the Yeti was the uh, the Weetabix cards. You know the Weetabix figures. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you say Doctor Who Weetabix, I get such a smile on my face. Yeah. Yeah, I recently what? I got a few from eBay, and it brought it was so. I mean, they're not in the best condition, but it brought back so many memories. It was like wolfing down tons of Weetabix just to get a set of cards. Were you, what, what, was your mum like my mum in that you couldn't have the free gift yep. on the back until you finished the cereal? Yep. And even crueler, you weren't allowed to get the toy out the bottom of the cereal until it naturally fell out into your bowl. You weren't allowed to put your hand in and pull yes. it out. We yeah, had to my, eat our way to it, you know? Yeah, my mum my was saying, I mean, the Weetabix ones were actually a bit better, the cards, because they were tucked down between the bag and the, the box, so we were allowed to get them out. But yeah, you couldn't cut out, like, the TARDIS or the, no. the scenes or anything. And if you're right, if it was a toy in the... It's hard to think now, isn't it? They actually put toys in the cereal. Yes. Um... Yeah, you weren't allowed to do it until it naturally came out. And you were so sort of paranoid because your brother might get it. You know. Oh, me and my brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. And am I right in thinking, do you remember, I think it was only things like badges that were actually in a plastic bag. If it was yes. a figure, it was completely loose, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the. do you remember the um, the Kellogg's Thunderbirds figures? The little, yep. I mean, they. yeah, they were just loose in the cereal. Yes. It's so weird, isn't it? Um, but yeah, if it was a badge, anything metal, you generally had it in a little plastic bag in the cereal. But a lot yes. of times it wasn't. Oh, no. why didn't we keep all these? I why know. didn't we keep I wish, them? All? I wish I had. They were fortunate, aren't they? Like yeah, I, I don't know if I, w- I was like you with Patrick Trout, and I mean, I think I quite accepted him being the bumbling, confused type because yeah. we were well into Doctor uh, 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 Tom Baker by then, so yes. I was used to sort of the clown bit. But I think the jarring thing for me with Patrick Trout when I first watched him as the Doctor was. My only experience of Patrick Troughton until then was Jason the Argonauts and yeah. uh, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, yeah, that, that? yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's in that, yeah. Uh, that was the, the first film I ever saw at the cinema, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, um, he's a real, I mean, an excellent actor. Even back then, it was sort of, you could, you could see that he was a, a top-class actor. Hmm. But I think it's... Because I, before I saw all these, I'd read the novelizations and things like that. And um, you also, you sort of, I was just getting into fandom and you buy into the fandom wisdom, which was William Hartner was a grumpy old man. No, he wasn't. Mm. Um, Patrick Troughton was a, a, a clown. No, not really, he wasn't. No. And I think it coloured it. And it wasn't, I'm trying to think what I would have saw. Like, the next one, actually, the next one I would have seen was uh, The Seeds of Death. Right. Um, the the Ice Warrior one, and it came out on video, all edited together. And I think that was the first time I watched it and thought, you know, I really like this Doctor. I think he's he's actually he he he's a good character, and he's not bumbling. He's just no. pretending to be bumbling. He's actually really clever, which was something I thought Sylvester McCoy tried to do, but never really, to my satisfaction, pulled it off. No, a bit too no. bumbling. 
No. I, I, again, I, I've been thinking on the run-up to us doing the recording today, and I'm, I think part of the appeal of the second Doctor isn't just the fact that you had a brilliant actor, that you had, he was a brilliant character and you had brilliant companions, you've got some brilliant yep. stories, but I, I think it's my love, and you, you must be the same. I've got a love, like yourself, of the Universal Horrors. Yes. The yep. 50s B-movies, and the fact that the Patrick Troughton and the William Hartnells were in black and white, I think adds immeasurably oh, yeah. to yeah, the yeah. atmosphere of the it stories. Def- it definitely does. There's, there's something about black and white that works so well with horror and and you know horrific stories and things like that and it, it seems to work really well uh, and early sci-fi as well it works well on I mean, there's a trend at the moment to, to colourise these stories, which is awful. Stuff. We were talking the other day, yeah. weren't we, yeah. about, you know, I, it's the faceless ones <coughs> that's coming out very yes. soon, isn't it? And it's a colourised one. Well, no, give me the black and white ones, like the yeah. animations they did for the Cyberman thing, where you yeah. had yeah. A, a couple of animated things, or Power of the Daleks. Yeah, the, I, I'd much prefer they, they do it in black and white. Um, I don't, I think, I don't it think it would work. Tone, yeah. It looks odd to me. When I see a behind-the-scenes photo of Patrick Troughton, you know, and it's a colour photo. Yep. I've got some to put on Facebook from, you know, uh, the Vulnerable Snowman. Yep. It just looks weird to it see does. him in colour. It, it was so strange the first time I saw the three Doctors, which would have been on the BSB Doctor Who weekend, um, and seeing Patrick Trowan in colour, and mm. it was like, oh, this is this, oh, this feels wrong. It doesn't feel this right, feels does it? Weird, and yeah. it suits his face because he's got a yeah. beautifully craggy face, hasn't oh, he? Oh, he's got um, a wonderful face, so expressive. I like the. There's a BBC producer that said that he's blessed with the secret of eternal age. Yes, you know, yes, yes, yeah. is, even when he was young, he looked old. Yeah. He, he's, he's got a fantastic face, that man. There was a. I, th- I think the wartime generation, wasn't it? That they. He, they, they looked so old, even when they weren't. You know, so you'd see someone and go, well, you must be, what, 50, 60? And it turns out he's 30. And something yes, like yeah, 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 yeah. I think I never read the Target novelizations of either of these stories. Oh, right. I, th- I, think, um, I think my first proper introduction to them... <laughs> did, did you used to get Dwubba? I always used to call it Dwubba, the Doctor Who bulletin. Yes, you remember that yeah. very D- professional D-W-B, magazine? Yeah, yeah I would call yeah. it Dwubba. Um, and they had the uh, the telesnaps, and they would run them yes, I in, mean, you, you know, almost right, yeah. like a photo novel, didn't they? I yeah. think that was my first exposure. But but this one, the Abominable Snowman, which we're going to talk about first, I just know it from the only existing episode there is, which is on the Lost in Time yeah. box set. And I've recently got into watching some of the animations yeah. um, on YouTube, and and they are variable in quality, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people doing reconstructions. I mean, loose cannon tend to be pretty good, but I, yeah, I sort of, I, I much rather would watch, listen to the soundtrack, and just look at the, the photos, because I find a lot of the the, the reconstructions they're they're doing very clever stuff, but it's almost it brings you out of it because you're going, oh, that was clever. They moved that photo. Oh, that was clever. Yes, and you don't really appreciate it. Um, I think, I think I wish that a lot of Pat Troughton still existed because we've had a few returned, haven't we? Including, um, including the Web of Fear. Yeah. And when yeah. you finally get to see him, you realise just that that photographs and animation doesn't do his Doctor justice. Of all the Doctors, no. I think his his loses the most when you haven't got Pat on the screen. I mean, out of all the Patrick Troughton stories that are missing, which which is top of your list that you would like to find out? Hey, hey they found it in Singapore or somewhere like that. Yeah, I mean, 
my, my all-time one that I wanted to get back was Web of Fear. Um, I would like to see the rest of the Abominable Snowmen because mm. the episode we have got is really good. Uh, really good. Um, I would also, I'd love to see Power of the Daleks properly. Yes. Because um, you listen to the you listen to the um, the audio, and then we we got the the variable animation, and you can see there's so much silence on in the audio, mm. and you're thinking, what are they filling with us on the show? And it wouldn't be just a, you know a still image of of some animated characters. So I reckon there's lots and lots of of Pat being Pat. Yeah, that in we these just don't know about. That, yeah, that we've lost forever. You know, yeah, I mean, I, they, they re- yeah, they returned. Um, the other part of the underwater menace because we, we we had the f- one part for it, and then he returned another part, and you suddenly realise how good he is in it. Even when because this was early on, he was before he was asked by the producer to tone down his performance. He was he was very very pat, <laughs> and mm. uh, even even at that, he was really good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I think if I had to choose uh, a Patrick Trout that I'd like to see, I'd like to see Fury from the Deep, just to yep, see yep. just how effective that seaweed monster is. Because yes. the behind-the-scenes telly-cinny things, yeah. it looks fantastic, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah I wouldn't mind that one, actually. That's, that would be a good one. Um, and I the do, I, Terror, I, of course. Yeah, I, enjoy, I enjoy the audio of Fury from the Deep. Um, mm. I, I listen to that quite a bit. Um, yeah, um, Macro Terror, I've never really... That that strikes me as one that would actually fit in really well on Sylvester McCoy's run. I think it's a little mm. bit a little bit silly for me. Yeah, the whole holiday camp thing is very yes. Sylvester McCoy, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's yeah. that. And I understand, you know, that there are some good sequences in it from what we can tell. And that, but yeah, the whole the whole tone of it is a, it is was just gone on the cusp of them sort of working out what was working for Pat Troughton's Doctor. Um, I think they went. After William Hartnell left, they went a little bit too silly with the first few stories of Pat Trout. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you couldn't imagine William Hartnell doing the Macro Terror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let, let's get started. Let's talk about yeah. the Abominable Snowman or Snowmen yes. yeah. first. Um, and it's in- interesting that you've never read the targets. Was that just that you didn't? I, I, I don't think I had access to them. I don't think our library yeah, had them, no, and I don't no. think I ever saw them in in the bookshops to actually yeah. buy. Because you know, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know start reading, um, I would say this this is a really good one to start with because this I think this was the third because uh, they did the three original ones, and then I think this was the first new batch. So it was this, I think, the Cave Monster, something like that. Um, but it's so well done because it's fleshed out like a real novel. Right. Um, so there's lots of detail in it, and I remember as a kid, I was fascinated. I, for some reason, I was fascinated by food in books. Don't know why. So there's there's the sequence in um, uh, the uh, Terror of the Autons where uh, Mike Yates makes Army Coco, and I, for some reason, I would reread that bit over <laughs> and over again. Um, I had a strange childhood, uh, and in this one, there's a sequence where they get breakfast, and uh, the Doctor has. Um, like porridge with salt on, but then Jamie goes for the full English, and I, and it's just it's fascinating. I find it fascinating when they they cover everyday bits of the TARDIS crew. Yeah, which in of course they wouldn't have done it. It wasn't in the program or anything. Um, but I love those little fleshed out bits. Yes, yeah, no, that no, that is cool. Um, so th- this one, um, you yep. know, it it's in the Himalayas, isn't it? Uh, well, well, it's, it's in, Wales, isn't it? It's the Welsh mountains of the Himalayas. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you, yeah. yeah you, you see the footage and you can't help but expect, uh, you know, Kenneth uh, Kenneth Williams and that to come 
yes, yeah, from a mountain top. Yeah, Bernard Breslau with yeah. a turban on his head. Exactly, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you think it, is it the same sort of valley? Is it the yeah, same I location? Think, yeah, I think because it's because it's Snowdon, isn't it? Yeah, we're just down the road from Snowdon, and it's <coughs> it's sort of there's there's two ways into Snowdon, and I think this is this is quite a well known one, and I think they get so far, and it's where you can get like decent truck access and that too and i think that's where all the film people film it um there are I, it, there's like tours and that you can go on where they point out where they filmed a lot of the um carry on up the kyber stuff mm-hmm. but yeah it looks remarkably like the same place to me it does rather yeah. doesn't it yeah we weirdly, went to snowden yeah. last year and i'm yeah. sure we were in a valley just like that yeah weirdly yeah. although they mention it in the script there's no snow anywhere not at no, the sausage not yeah. at all they pick they pick a a bad week where there's no snow on snowden you're, you're, you're far more knowledgeable on these things than me, yeah. but when they arrive, the Doctor's happy, you know, uh, we're yeah. in the Himalayas, and um, he's been there before, yes. back in 1630, okay? Is this the very first time there's a reference to a, you know, an unseen No, no, right, story? right from early Hartnell, there's, I think the sands are right, so I want to say, but I might be wrong, it might be one of the others, where he mentions that uh, uh, he, he was locked into the Tower of london by henry the eighth and he wanted to go there because the tardis was disguised as a, an iron maiden or something but yeah they they oh, mentioned okay. others i think even in even in uh, edge of destruction which is like what the third story they mention uh, they see a planet on the screen and they go that was that we visited that just before uh, we met the two teachers you know oh, so yeah okay. they 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 pretty much fell into that pretty early on in the show all right but this is this is further yep. on though so when he says yes. he's been there before now of course it's like well which one was it the first doctor yeah. or the second do- doctor went there in 1630 yeah or possibly one of the 350 billion earlier doctors yes yes we, we're recording this um yeah. just just under a week since the last uh, episode of si- series um 13 aren't we yeah so 12 13 whatever one is 12 the one, yeah. yeah the latest one yeah so who knows who knows yeah. Yeah. well he probably does doesn't he yes now of course we've only got the audio and we've got uh, yes. as i say um homemade video recreations and it's not like you say it's not doing it any favors because it tends to be just quite basic animation of patrick trout and wandering around a bit and um and then finally you know victoria and jamie coming out and then we see uh, a yeti wandering around a bit yes and and not not an awful lot happens in this first uh, episode really no this this is i mean it's the the troutons and the hartnells they would spend their time building up stories but especially the the troutons sort of six and seven parters they they tend to move at a much slower pace than even the trouton four parters mm. um so yeah there's there's i mean there's a little bit happens in this story but you're right not a lot this would be in a modern who this would be the first four minutes <laughs> No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you, you know, if the animations are to be believed, it's quite an open, barren uh, yeah. mountainside there. But you've got the Doctor wandering around, not spotting a Yeti. You've got a Yeti wandering around that hasn't spotted Travers. Travers wandering around trying to find a Yeti and not finding one. Don't, don't, there's all this wandering around and nobody seems to bump into each other to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's filmed better than, than the animation animations suggest um but yeah and it's snowed certainly that part of snowden is quite open it's not you know it's not like 
you, every corner you turn, you can be hidden by another Kragler. It's quite an open place, Snowden. Um, mm. But yeah, it does stretch credulity a bit that, well, I suppose it's Doctor in general, and it that all this stuff happens in a very small area, but no one bumps into each other. And then later on, when uh, yeah. Jamie and Victoria come out the cave, Travers is astonished to find out that there's a cave because yes. he's been there God knows how long and he still hasn't found the cave. Yeah, you yeah. Know? He, he, uh, I mean, presumably all those blowing blizzards and that, he couldn't see it. <laughs> I guess, yes, the blizzards of snow that yeah. is, is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. I do like this, though, as we go, you know, from, from, you know, episode one into episode two, how, you know, basically the Yeti, when it finally latches onto, you know, Victoria and, and Jamie, basically is doing a Terminator, yeah, isn't it's, he? Yeah, it's, it's not holding up. And this is the sort of the first inkling you've got that, that it's, it, something's not quite right, and it? Other than the fact it's a big furry Yeti wandering about. Um, yeah, it's very Terminator. It's, it, they can't outrun it. They can't outpace it. I mean, it survives yeah. polystyrene blocks falling on it. Yes, yeah. I quite, I quite like the cave sequence. I know it's, it's not, it's, it's one of those clips that's been shown to death on anything where they're mentioning this. But it is a nice sequence. I love. I mean, I must admit, I love Jamie and Victoria. I think this is this is the greatest of the uh, of the, the Troughton teams. I think I love Zoe, but I, I like the fact that Vic, you know you've got the three levels, haven't you? On this, you've got. Uh, the Doctor, who's super genius, then you've got Victoria, knows a little bit more, but then you've got Jamie, knows nothing, doesn't really mm. care. Um, and I love Fraser Hines and Debbie Watt, like, great, great team. Um, so yeah, even though, like I say, even though not a lot happens in episode one, we get to spend a lot of time with them, which is good. Mm. I, I, I prefer Victoria over Polly. There's something about yes. Polly, it's a bit of a know-it-all. Um, yeah. I find her a bit irritating. I much prefer Victoria over Polly, I must yes, say. Yes, yeah. Victoria seems a nicer person. I mean, I like Polly, but I, she was... Yeah, I think you're right. She could be a bit of a know-it-all and a bit sort of up her own self. Oh, it's not Polly. Zoe, sorry. Oh, I mean, Zoe, 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 not Polly. definitely a know-it-all, yeah. Yes, yeah, no. No, no, I don't mind Polly and I don't yeah. mind Ben, but I, I kind of prefer them yeah. with William Hartnell. Yes, I think they work better with Hartnell. To be honest, I think as soon as Fraser Hines turns up, oh, you know yeah. everyone else is blown out the water, aren't they? Yeah, Fra- you know? Fraser Hines is one of my favourite companions ever. Mm. Um, it, it, it's just brilliant. I just love what you can see. They seem to be having so much fun, don't they? That's the yes, thing. yeah, and, and, shows, and, and to yeah. all accounts, they were, weren't they? They're yes, always winding yeah. each other up and playing practical jokes. And yeah. there's that famous one where they play, paid, um, you know, uh, Ben and Polly played that joke on Patrick Trout and saying, yes. "Bring back." Bring back William, William Hartnell, Hartnell yeah. yeah. all is forgiven. And he didn't yeah. take too kindly yeah. to that because he thought <laughs> they were serious, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, we've got this this Yeti which, you know, um, ambles so, along. Yeah, try, I was going to say, what, what, did you th- what do you think of the Yeti the first time you see it? When you actually see it, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if we're talking abominable, abominable snowman Yeti, I, I think it's one of those things where... I prefer it in photos than moving yes. because it, yeah. it, it kind of shambles along and he is very, very big and he is very, very cuddly and it does look like all he wants to do is give you a big hug. Well, I think they've, they've used the wrong fur, haven't they, on this one because it, it, it moves like, like a teddy bear, doesn't it? It looks like Bungle from... Do you know what Rainbow? I've got written down here? Uh, yeah. Mr. Blobby. Yeah, yeah, it's got that... That bounciness it, it to it. It bounces, wobbles as it moves, yes. Um, 
I think they work much better in because I this is one of those stories where you lusted after watching it because you like say you saw the wheat bits you saw it in a Doctor Who monster book or, and then you hear the audio you hear the audio it sounds great and then you watch it and it's like oh, okay yeah, yeah I don't think it quite works it's something we've got to yep. bear in mind when we get to the end yes, of, of today's yeah. recording but uh, <coughs> I tell yeah, I, I, the other thing, I mean, I, I, as I say, he reminds me an awful lot of Mr. Blobby as yeah. he's going around. But the, the the face of the Yeti, the black face with a bit yeah. of moustache, right, that hangs down, does remind me. Do you remember that I think it was called the Colonel? There was a character called the Colonel or something oh, in Michael yeah. Benteen's Potty, Potty Time. time. Yes, yeah. And he had a little hanging down moustache right, and you yes. couldn't see his face. And he yeah, reminds me of similar. that. It's not a good thing you want to see in your monsters, is it, to remind you of Michael Benteen's potty time? No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Um, so, yes, the Doctor's been there before in 1630, and, yes. and the great intelligence, or are you going to try attempting to say it? Uh, what, the, 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 the body in habits, Padma Sambhavar. Oh, that well one? done. Yes, yeah. yeah. He knows of the Doctor. Doesn't he? Yes, yes. Well, yeah, the, doc- the Doctor's been there before. So we're, we're assuming, I mean, I don't know, are we assuming that he, he was there as Pat Troughton or he was there as William Hartnell? See, I could see it I, I working with both of them. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I wonder if there's, I bet there's been a, a big finish or fan story where someone visits first, doesn't it? It's bound yeah. to be, or novel. Um, perhaps I should have done some research. But if he recognises yeah. the Doctor, and, yeah, that's what and I mean. yeah, it yeah. must be the second Doctor then. Yeah. I think so. Or, or is it that he recognises the Doctor from when he met him as um, Matt Smith? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's that yeah. now, isn't there? There yes. is, yeah. We've got to take that into account. But yeah, so he knows the Doctor and the Doctor it wants to, for some reason, is determined to return the Holy Ganter. Little the bell, little bell thing. Little bell. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then he... So, yeah, so he's, he's recognised, but then he's... Uh, He's met by uh, something that has recently come up in other Doctor Who stories, which is, is men in yellow face, isn't it? Mm. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, Again, works better on audio. Yes, yeah, on audio, you don't mind. Then you, you see it and it's like they've latexed their eyes back and it's like, oh, oh, okay, okay, we're going there. And I, I don't think you could, you can't class it as racist because it was... That was the norm at the time. You can say it's wrong and it wouldn't be done now. Um, but I've, I also sort of go under the... That these are actors playing parts. So no mm. actor should be limited. So I think if you're playing a part, you shouldn't be limited by who you are or mm. what you're perceived as. And I think that should follow through for everything. But I do understand that, that yellowing up and blacking up has a racist history. So we can't ignore that. It's not the same... It's not the same as, uh, you know, the other way round. And we, we, no. have to, we have to acknowledge that. Um, but also, I or, imagine it would or be we can also Yeah, yeah. but the only yeah. thing we can say is this is in no way uh, a stereotype. It's no, not no, no. sending anybody up or anything like that. No. It, yeah, it, it's, it's not. It's, it's done in the best possible sort of, I was going to say best possible taste. It's going and cross your legs yeah, very cross quickly. Cross your legs, yeah. My cat will go flying. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's not sending anything up, and it's 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 not in a poor light. You know, it's not. I don't think there's there's not. I don't think it's racist at all in its overtones. You wouldn't no. do it now, but you know, times change. But um, I also imagine it'd be probably very difficult back then for the BBC to find enough 
Himalayan actors. Well, here's the question thought, for you. Yeah. Here's a question for you then. If if the BBC do, you know, authorise an animated yeah. version of Vulnerable Snowman, will they animate the actors or will they animate the person to be more of a, you know, oh, a Himalayan a type? Yeah. I don't you know? know. I hope they would animate the actors. I don't, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the scene, rather silly scene, where they're going to try and catch a Yeti. Yes. And, and well, they set this yeah. net up outside the door. And yeah. you've got three Yetis standing off to one side, yeah, just, just standing watching. watching, you know? Yeah, I, I love this. This is, I love it when when they get a bit of comedy into it, a bit of really well played. And I love it that, that Jamie says, oh, I, I, oh I, we can capture this. And uh, the Doctor says, Victoria, you better come this way. Jamie's had an idea. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so well hard. played. Yeah, there's such... I mean, you forget, because Pat Troughton was such a great dramatic actor, you forget, uh, like William Hartnell, he was astonishing at comedy. Mm. Time, timing's perfect. And when you couple it with Fraser Hines and that, ah, oh, I love it. I love yeah. this. I love this I love- banter. Yeah, and, and but Jamie's plan works. You know, they oh, did yeah. catch it. He, he stumbles straight onto it. He's he pulled up. Okay, his balls fall off, um, and then rolls away. Well, um, it's in, in one of those great sort of um, BBC things where where you can't really justify it. His ball gets into the mud somewhere it couldn't possibly yeah. in that fight. But eh, he's got moving balls. Will. We'll allow it. And I'll tell you, I mean, obviously, the balls here in A Vulnerable yeah. Snowman is doing a Michael Benteen potty time. It's being yes, pulled along yeah. on a wire. Yeah, I the, mean, bo- the ball effects are really good, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the Yeti's taken inside, and that's where the Doctor uh, examines it. Yes, and he realises it's actually a, a robot. You're right about one thing, Victoria. This creature certainly doesn't seem to be fresh and blind. What? It's not your abominable snowman either, Travers. Look, metal. That's incredible. What is it? A devil's warrior. No, I don't think so. It's more like a robot. A robot? My dear chap, don't let your imagination run away with you. Why has it stopped? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nothing there. No. But there has been. It's a robot, yes, with, with with a housing, a circular housing which is empty, but something yes. had been in there. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a, a ball housing that's ballless. Yes, yeah. This story, the abominable snowman, I've I've seen a lot of people say it's a bit of a plod, and it, and it, and it's nowhere near as good as the Web of Fear. How, um, what, what, what's your take on I this? I think it's it definitely moves at a a slower pace than than the web of fear definitely um i do find it's better to watch or listen to in episodic chunks it's not something you want to watch in one sitting now you can't binge no. watch it no can no you? Do- i mean and that's that's something we should address is that doctor who and television back then wasn't made for binge watching so a lot of people will will watch you know the whole thing all six episodes in a row of something and go well i wasn't that slow it kept repeating it like, yeah TV was designed to do that. You were never meant to watch it in this way. A bit like mm. if you if you try and watch all the Flash Gordon serials in a row as a film, yeah, it don't work. And I think it this doesn't because you can see the cheat on the cliffhanger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how he gets out of it, and like yeah. the Batman serials and all of those. Yeah, yeah. So I think 
this benefits from watching one episode at a time or perhaps a couple of episodes at a time and that's it um but yeah i do think it moves at a more leaden pace than web of fear does i mean it's not the slowest moving trouton by a long shot um but yeah it's not i think the story is quite slight as well what do you think a child of the 60s a young child would have made of this story i think story? they would have been enthralled and excited by it yeah um, i think so yeah i think i think uh, viewers were different back then not only were the programs different viewers were different back then you i mean as people say about all oh, tv's dumbed down it has unfortunately mm. um we're now we're now not expected to to retain information for longer than a five minute period Mm. Whereas back then we used to watch it, and you would be on tenterhooks until the next episode, a whole week waiting, and yeah, it, you you just don't get that now, I don't think. What, <laughs> what, what year did this come out in? This was sixty six, I think. Yes, sixty six or early sixty seven, probably sixty six. All right, so I would have been four yeah. when this came out, and if I watched it, I think maybe, yes, I think I would have been thrilled by this, but yeah. I think Web of Fear I would have been more behind the sofa with. Yes, Web of Fear is, is much scarier. This is more interesting than scary. Although I have to say, I don't know whether it would be different watching it, but certainly listening to the audio, when we, the the, the voice acting by the, the guy that plays Padma Sambavar, <laughs> God, um, Pete, well done. Yeah. Paddy, Padme. Paddy, Padme, yeah. Padme, um, yes. Much better actress. Um, yeah, he, he does some amazingly chilling stuff. I mean, it's yes, and, and there's his demise scary, yeah. as well. Yeah. I'd like to see his demise. I would love because to see that, yeah. Apparently that was going to be more, more graphic. His yes. face was going to turn black or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, they, they, they... I can't remember whether they filmed it and then didn't use it, or they in the filming they thought, well, yeah, we're not going to do that. Mm. And um, But yeah, it was meant to be much more graphic than it eventually was. And I, I, there, there were still letters of complaint, wasn't there? Yes, uh, yeah. Because of it. Hmm. All right, well, we, we can't really talk too much on Abominable Snowman because we've no. only got the, the 25 minutes. Yes. And screen captures or you know fan effort animations to go yeah. on so, i mean the, the episode is worth watching even though i'm saying it's a really good episode it's i wonder if it's the best episode that survived i don't know uh, the other thing we haven't mentioned of course is um is uh travers who first oh, appears right of course yes yes, yes yeah. yeah and and i think again i mean this was debbie watlin's dad Yes, real um, life dad. Yeah, real life dad. Yeah, and he is a absolutely core actor, a mainstay of World War Two British dramas. Um, he was in all of them. Uh, he, he's such a good actor, and I think he brings a, a huge presence uh, to this and to the Web of Fear. I mean, he's playing you know almost a completely different role in the Web of Fear, but. Well, yeah, what I was really going to mention um, as we get into Web of Fear is one of the appeals of Web of Fear for me is the fact that it's played dead straight. Yep. Okay, you've got some comedy moments from the Doctor, but, but when you're talking about the military in it, it's almost like a Quatermass film. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very akin to a Quatermass. Um, in fact, I mean, this, this and the invasion is what made them think that it would be correct to set Pertwee's with unit, wasn't it? Because it mm. works so well. Yeah, you, you get, yeah, I mean, we'll get on to talking about that when we, we move on to the Web of Fear. Well, let's do that. Shall we go to yep. Web of Fear now then, shall we? So, yeah, we've got to zip forward in time 40 years, haven't we? It's 40 we have, years yep. later in London now. We're in London. Um, yes, Travers is an old man. 
He is a brilliant actor, but there's something, sometimes the way he's playing it and, and you know, watching it on DVD, you know, on my big TV and everything, you can clearly see the, the gauze of his yes. uh, uh, beard and everything. And the way he plays it sometimes, the bumbling side, reminds me so much of when Benny Hill used to play an yes. old man. He, if ever you watch it, like any Godzilla film where they have to have an old man, and it's always a young man yeah. with white, make a uh, white wig and that on and he does the same sort of old man acting where it's like puffing your cheek you know yeah yeah um very sort of colonel blimpy style old yes um what what always gets me is that he's suddenly now a scientist he's a (laughs) he's a a scientist of the same sort of skill as the doctor yeah which he wasn't he wasn't he had a rifle yeah Yeah, when we last saw him he was an explorer wasn't he he was was. yeah so he, he he presumably got home and took a yeti with him and tinkering with that he became a a, a genius um scientist you know uh, i do wonder how he got that through customs that would have been well it was easier back then wasn't it well so i'm you, british you, I'm coming yeah to yeah well, i was just about to say horror yeah. express christopher lee and peter cushing got that yeah. you know that frozen yeah ape. and I, of course this also saying about him being older now this also brings into the what is the time gap between the two that that feeds into the unit uh, the unit I've, dating controversy listen listen i've got i've got pieces yeah. of paper all about this oh, well, we'll talk right. about that when we get to yeah. behind the scenes but yeah it's 40 years, l- 40 years later, later yep. he's got a daughter called Anne, yes. who she's i think is brilliant yeah, she really should have good. been a companion she could have easily have yeah. been a companion well do you because say she could be a doctor she could yes i mean um you know there there, there are some sexist comments yeah, quite, quite comments brilliant. batted yeah. at her, but she bats them straight back, you know. And it is good to see, you know, yeah. uh, um, someone like that in at this period. Yeah, and it's also the difference between this and the Ronald Snowman is almost everyone in this is a great character. Mm. You get to know them; they're brilliant. All the soldiers have unique personalities. Everyone's really good, which you didn't really get. And you you had uh, Chris Arm and Tomney you know and the abba mm, but yeah. the rest were all very much mumbling extras weren't they whereas in this it it works really well and like you say there's such a quite a mass quite a mass in the pit vibe to this mm. you know the, the squads the yeah but before know. we get to the quite mass bits we've got the old dark house thing haven't That's we true, yeah, we've, got, we've got a hammer Hammer Power Excellence is. Silverstone's house, yeah. yes, yeah, because that's where Travis goes to, doesn't he? Because he wants he does, his, yeah. he wants his, right, so 40 years ago, he somehow smuggles yeah. a Yeti back to England and then gives it to his mate because it's been in his house for 30 years. Yeah, well, he, well he's, he's presumably studied it, became a, a scientific genius, realised he can't get it going, so then he sold it to Silverstone, uh, or Silverstein, um, he sold it to him, but he's not given him one of the control balls. He's kept that, and then only recently the control ball's gone missing. So his first after is, he's reactivated, yeah, yeah, he starts tinkering with it. Yeah, reactivates it, and oh, what a surprise! It goes missing. Didn't yeah. he learn anything from forty years before about these balls? Well, it's forty years, a long time. You might have forgot. Mm, mm. Yeah, and and that's when it arrives, doesn't it? Yes. When when, when yep. he goes off, it arrives at it's the window and smashes his way. <laughs> it has, it has, yeah. and and transforms the yeti. I think this is yes. very clever that they just um, you know transform it. Yeah, um, this and is, you see this it transform. Really, yeah, it's a really nice touch that they didn't really need to put in because you, they could have easily just had the new le- yeti look and not even mention it. And people well, would the go, Cybermen. Oh, every time yeah, the Cybermen time, yeah. appeared, nobody went. Yeah. Why do you look different? Yeah. You know? 
so I thought it was quite a nice a nice um, touch that that actually the <laughs> the ball going back up in um, <laughs> changes the look of it. Uh, and for the better, it would, take the, like, it would change yeah. the look of you as well. Would, I think it would, it yes. would uh, cause my cheeks to. Uh, it would make your eyes glow this. and bulge. It would make the eyes water. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this new Yeti. Um, I think this they've streamlined it. The head shape's different. In fact, it's a completely different suit. Let's be honest. Yes. Um, I think the hands are the same. I think they use the same hands and feet. But no, they knew. They, they knew as well. Yeah. Um, but it looks so much better. It's a different style of fur, so it's more. More fur akin to a real bear and mm-hmm. not a nylon teddy bear, uh, and they've they've sort of they've almost given it a feather cut, haven't they? It's, it's, it's yep. gone to the, it's very nineteen sixties. Um, it's almost really got a good, nose yeah. now as well, hasn't yes, it? There's a, yeah. a suggestion of a nose to it. Yeah, they've defined the face a little bit better. Um, like I say, it's more more pointed, less rounded head. It looks less like a hamster now, doesn't it? Um, yeah, because have you seen that thing about if, if you're going to create a monster, you've got to put something that draws your eye to it, its eyes. It's something to do yeah. with the fact that we're, we're basically animals. When you look at something, you're yep. looking for it, the visual thing. That's what they say about spacecraft. You should always have a cockpit window because yeah. somehow we understand then that that is the, the visual side part of that thing you know yeah yeah it's, it's, we yeah we we're always looking for a face on something yes um, something, even a spaceship yeah something without a face you it does it's very hard to then convey any sort of emotional intent isn't it, isn't it? It's, well we're going to vote yeah. on the yeti at the end yeah. the two types of yetis and i think that's a huge factor that we've got to take into yes, to compare so. the abominable snowman one to the mark ii one here yes hmm well, the TARDIS gets caught in this web in space, doesn't it? Yeah, we get a, a really nice little TARDIS sequence uh, in this one. Um, it's a bit of a Blake 7 sequence. I mean, the Liberator is, yeah. was caught in a web, not That's unlike true, yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And uh, meanwhile, Travis is called to London to, to help out with this unknown menace. I like this. I like early Who, where you are trusted to just pick up the information as it goes along yes we've just we've just had the last doctor who last sunday and that was 45 minutes of exposition basically yeah. wasn't it it was literally this, the master telling the doctor everything everything yeah you might, it, it almost was the master's jack and ori it was <laughs> down, down. tell your story tell your story yeah. <laughs> um and this is what i say about the dumbing down of tv it's very yeah we're we can pick stuff up we're not idiots you know what i mean mm. Mm. The the next bit that comes up when the TARDIS arrives at Covent Garden Underground Station, yep. I think this might have been the very first time I saw a clip from a Patrick Troughton, which is that classic moment with the cobweb tramp just outside yes. the closed gates to the Underground Station. So did you... Yeah, so I, I ask a stupid question, is it? Did you see... Uh, would you have seen this before the documentary, you know, 30 years in the TARDIS? Of course you wouldn't. No, of course no, you wouldn't. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. the only one episode... Uh, yeah, one episode existed, wasn't the first one? Yeah. So, yeah, the 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 Trump sequence is really good. It's very, uh, again, it's very, very moving, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And and it, just in that what ten second scene, we've also find from the billboard, the newspaper billboard, that London's been evacuated. Again, well, this, we still don't know why. Yeah. But this is it's such economic storytelling, isn't it? That in like you say in that one sequence, we know there's a threat. We know that there's a web, and the cobwebs kill you. We know that London's been evacuated for some reason. Um, we know that there's people down in the underground for some reason. Um, that they've got a call in Travers for some reason, but. 
it's all it's not spoon fed you it's no it's just economically done really. and very very yeah. well done yeah they down in the tunnels they go back down in the tunnels yep. the, the brilliant brilliant bbc set of the tunnels yes it's amazing do you, I, I, again another question for you do you think this is the best set in the show's history because that looks to me like a real london underground yeah to me. um i think it's possibly the one of the best sets in in certainly in classic who all right um, change that not best most convincing yeah, most convincing set. yeah so i uh, yeah i think you're probably right apart from when they would obviously go on location <laughs> I was fairly mm. convincing but yeah I think this is the best internal set at no point even watching it in you know on a 4k TV and that on a you know 75 inch at no point you go oh it's a set no it not when you're in the tunnels no. I mean we're, 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 we're t- towards the end in some of the later episodes when the Yeti's outside the door and Jamie slams the door yes. the whole wall shakes yes yeah but the actual down in the tunnels. I think I read somewhere it's it's actually a Y-shaped junction, isn't it? Yes. The, the, yeah, the tunnels one, actually formed yeah, a Y. There's one corner and two arms on it. Yes. Um, and of course, the, the, the classic story of the BBC uh, approached the London Underground and they refused permission. And then they complained afterwards that they'd sneakily filmed Yeah, this. how did you get down yeah. in there? Which yes, I think is yeah. a, tes- a testament. To the other thing that's really good is, I mean, they, they must have really, really built the floor well. Because... It's, it's raised, mm-hmm. but we don't ever get any of that plywood clunk, clunk noise. You don't get clunky, yeah. do you? Yeah, and we no. know at this point the BBC didn't do Foley work, so that's the sound that they're filming. And it's really good, because even on things like um, the Ark in Space, which is a great spaceship set, but when they're walking on a transom, it, all you can hear is clunk, clunk, clunk of plywood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, again, we've just come off of Blake Seven in character, yes, and yeah, yeah, the Liberator set they, they they had to dub everything back over because yeah. it was all clump clump clump. Exactly, clump, yeah, clump. And they they couldn't do it. So it's yeah, the set is really really well designed. There was a couple, there's a couple of behind the scenes shots of the set, isn't there? So I don't mm. know if you've seen them, but but cleverly done. It's only only about episode four that you start to realise they've only got a short sequence of of yes. tunnel. Um, but I noticed then, that as well. Very often, you've got like the doctor and his companions moving right to left. You'll cut away to someone saying something, and then they'll be back at right again. And it's yes, the same yeah, bit again, the same and, they bit, ju- yeah. and, and they've just walked back and they've started walking. They just use that, that bit over and over. But it's an underground tunnel. They, yeah. It looks the same all the way from one station to the next. So, yeah. so, so when you, you can get um, away with it, when you go on the London Underground, do you think of this or uh, uh, American Wealth in London? No, I think of um, Deathline. Was it Deathline? Mind the gap. You mind the gap? Donald Pleasance, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, yeah, I always think of um, American Werewolf in London. If I'm going up and down the stairs, American Werewolf, once I'm on the platform, I think of this. Oh, right, right. No, I don't really because, you know, especially not on the the escalators because the escalator sequence in American Werewolf in London, the guy was all by himself. You never That's are true. alone on the escalators. I in don't know. I've been, yeah, I've been, um, I've been uh, on escalators like eleven o'clock at night, and no right, you get, you get a bit like that. It gets a bit creepy. Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, well, down in those tunnels, we've we've got the old squaddies patrolling, haven't we? Yes, oh, I love these squaddies. I love. I mean, they're they're wearing um, uh, like. Uh, um, Airborne uniform, so they're wearing the uh, the Denison smock, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, the details all all are good on it. 
I can happily say there's no. Normally, you're watching an army thing, and because I'm a bit of a uniform nutter, um, you'll men- you'll notice things that are wrong. It's like, oh, they didn't wear that shirt with that particular. Thing. This all looks really good. I have mm. to say. Yeah, and of course we've got the wonderful staff. Yeah, staff. Staff yeah. Arnold. You know, he's, he's I, a classic. Classic. In, in fact, you could see this part played by William Hartnell, couldn't you? If it was a film, I, t- I tell you who he reminds me of. Staff with his moustache and he's got a little bit of a lisp. Reminds me of Count Arthur Strong. Yeah, actually, you I'm know, afraid to see that. I'm so oh, used to seeing Car- Yeti, Count Yeti, Arthur Yeti, Strong Yeti. now. Yeah. <laughs> it would be brilliant. I'd love that. Uh, Flubbing all his lines. Yeah. yeah. And down there, yes, the Yetis are down there because we've got a mist up upstairs, haven't we? Yes. And we've got the fungus downstairs, but the fungus seems to be the web. They call it a fungus, but it's not a load yeah, of mushrooms. No, no, it, it's, well, I suppose if you had enough mushrooms, you might see this. But, yes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they, they call it fungus, and it's not. It, it's, it's not really. No. This, this is where before before this was returned and we could all see it, uh, you'd read the novelization, and you've got a completely different image of how this stuff would play out. I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah, um, the Yetis that are down in the tunnels—they've got web guns. Yes. They've got these web guns. What do you think of the idea of Yetis having guns? Um, I can see why they've done it because it 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 steps that violence back. Um, it's much much more violent to have a Yeti clubbing you to death with its claws than it is to have you shooting with a web gun. Um, I, it's okay. I it, it when they've got their little belts on and they've got their guns on, it it looks a bit silly to me i'd, I'd mm. much rather them have them just like tearing people apart this would make an amazing r certificate film if you could do it this yeah. story yeah yeah i'll tell you what i like about their web guns is that's like a nod design, yeah, yeah I, it's not just the design but it's a nod back to my childhood where anything science fiction any science fiction ray gun or anything always had lots of clear parts to yes, it, didn't yeah. it? Usually because you had a spark machine inside yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you could see all the sparks going. But so, I like- yeah, I, if I see a clear ray gun, that takes me back to the 60s. Yeah. I, I do like to look at the guns, and I like their sound effect. Sound effect's very good in um, Web of Fear, again. Hmm. Um, really works, even the toilet flushing yet is. Um, but, but the, yeah, I do, I do like the look and feel of the guns. But it just... I suppose it's... It, they they could do it because we by this point we know it's an alien intelligence we know that they're robots it just it it's incongruous and i'm not sure it's incongruous in a good way or bad way right i've 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 i'm always astonished when i watch web of fear is because until i saw web of fear i thought the the honor for the most cliche welshman in doctor who was was the guy in the green death yeah but you've got Evans here, haven't you? Who, yes. who I, th- I think is a serious contender for the uh, for the role. Yeah, he is incredibly cliche Welsh, um, and not yes. in a good light. <laughs> they don't portray uh, him in a good light. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, the other, I, the squad is. I mean, let's mention the squad is a bit. I think there's some great some great acting here. I can never get their names right. Is it Weems? Is the guy from Weems. Ark in Space? Yes, he he's brilliant. He's one of my favourite, and I um, I always. It always surprises me when he gets killed by the Yeti, and it always upsets me because he's been such a great character, and this actor plays the Cockney wide boys brilliantly. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, Captain Knight is really good. Um, we've also and, got, and, yeah. and you do get to know them, even yeah. though you don't know anything about them, you don't know their backstory, if they're married, if they've got kids, but you do start to care for them. Yeah, Again, yeah, this is a big change people. between old Who and new Who. Yeah. 
Yeah, you've you've got no emotional attachment to any of the characters in New Who, I find, because you don't know them. They're on screen, they say their line, and they bugger off. But mm. we, and especially if you watch this one a week, by the time Weems dies, you've known him for a month. Yeah. He's, he's like an old friend, yes. you know. Um, I, I like yeah. the fact, I mean, we haven't mentioned that we've got the um, the ITV newsman down there oh, as yes, well. Oh, yes, Chorley. Chorley. And he's very odious, isn't he? He is very odious, but I like the fact that when, round about the time Evans arrives, yeah. and of course Colonel Lethbridge-Stewart... Yeah, oh God, yeah, I'd forgotten. ...who, in my mind, I think this is Nicholas Courtney's best ever yeah. portrayal of the Brigadier, well, Colonel to begin with, um, I like the fact that when these two first turn up, the paranoia starts. Yes, because that's, that's something that, that we can't watch it how the original viewer would watch it. No. Because we all know the brigadier, and we know that he's a good guy, and we know. But back then, of course, they, there's lots of stuff hints dropped that he might be the bad guy, which of course and you watch it now, and he's, that that doesn't work at all. But the characters yeah. view him with suspicion as yeah, well. Oh, don't he, they? Yeah, he, yeah, everyone views him with suspicion because why is he turned up now? Mm. You know, he, and especially like things like where they say about oh, we we bumped into Evans, Evans. And he goes, he was a driver on the convoy. Oh, of course. But he does it in such a way that you could go, he doesn't know who Evans is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. But of course, now you don't get it. You go, that's Brig. Yay. Every, the, the, the first time I watched this, I didn't know, because I never read the Target novel, yeah. and I knew it was Yetis in the Underground, but I didn't know anything about any of these, these soldiers. Yeah. We've also got to say that this is the beginning of Unit, isn't it? Yes, it's this, after is, this, this is the start uh, of Unit. After yes. this, that Unit is formed. Yeah. But... Every time, when I watched this the first time, Evans, I thought, he's a bad guy. and yeah. I, Because the actor playing him has just got a way about him. He's all jokey, and then he'll just stand and he'll yeah. stare. And you think, uh-oh, he's the bad guy. Yeah, but then, and then shifting. he'll counter it. Yeah. He'll do, then do something. You think, oh, I know what's going to happen now. And then something else happens. It's like, oh, he's not the bad guy. And then he does it again, and he keeps doing this yeah. through every episode. And this, yeah, and this is something that... that very rarely is picked on is that this is this is for three episodes it's almost a whodunit mm. <laughs> and you're and again you watching it originally and I suppose you you watching it at least you're getting that but but it, that's something that doesn't work now but if you can go back and sort of almost watch it with fresh eyes it's so well scripted to to play the whodunit game. It's almost like an Agatha Christie, isn't it? It's, yeah. There's, there's red herrings and misdirections and ooh and ah. And, ooh, and it's much more than just a, a runabout in the underground. Mm. I like the fact that, you know, because they keep coming back to base, don't they? They keep coming back to this unit yes. with this lovely, you, 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 you know, uh, illustrated, light-up, a view of a very basic London underground. Yeah. There's an awful lot more stations on there than there is yeah. in, back in 66. But I like the fact that there's an acknowledgement by the Doctor when he sees film of the Yeti that, oh, they've changed. They're a yeah. Mark II, he yeah, says. Yeah. Now you see how quickly it was spreading. Now yes, that'll be the seventh. Today the fungus was first reported in the underground. The tube system had to be abandoned, of course. Any sign of the Yeti by this date? No, they weren't sighted until the ninth. Next slide. Ah, yes. I thought I wasn't mistaken. Huh? Those, those Yeti have changed in appearance. Look. Why, yes, I see what you mean. It's a sort of 
Mark II, isn't it? <laughs> very interesting. We get good stuff above ground. I mean, we've got some yeah. deaths coming up. But when they do go up into Holborn and they're trying yeah. to make, make their way, way to um, Covent Garden, I just find anything from the 60s or early 70s where you see you know, a, a deserted streets, London, yeah. just so evocative. It's amazing. And this whole sequence is, because you can listen to it, it doesn't really sound anything. You can read it, and you go, oh, it's okay. But then when you finally see it, it's a knockout sequence. It's really well filmed. It's edge of your seat stuff. And you suddenly realise, watching the sequence, yeah, the Yetis are dangerous. Yes. Because yeah. you don't really get what we've got in The Abominable Snowman, what we've seen up to this point, we go, oh, it's a Yeti's comedy. And then they're bloody lethal. Yeah. And they don't give up. And you can't injure them, particularly. And it's, it's this, yeah. yeah. It's this thing, I mean, it's you could say about the underground here, is what what would make Doctor Who so thrilling and, and scary is you get something, you know, outlandish like these Yetis, but you've got them walking down a very yeah. recognisable London street. It's why the, the Autons were so terrifying to yes, people, because yeah. everybody walks past shoproom dummies, right, yeah. don't they? I mean, the, the, the Daleks on the streets of London work, the Yeti on the streets of London work. You're right. It's, I mean, I always love seeing <coughs> period streets anyway, because it gives you such a, an idea of what, of a time that's gone and we've lost and you see the cars and like you say it's very evocative but then you see the yeti walking down it and it should be a comment you should laugh almost at it but yeah, it's not but, it's but you don't ripping. because it's done absolutely straight absolutely and i think straight. it also helps the fact that they've got four yeti costumes yes. if they'd yeah. only just had two then you go oh there's a couple of yetis yeah. but you, you know having yeah. four it just busies well, up that yeah. that road when you see yeah. them walking down the road and also uh, praise to the actors as well they're acting as if they're scared for their life and that yeah. that helps immensely as well uh, now of course you would have you'd have someone making a quip and you'd have someone doing a, a pop culture reference yeah you know, and it it so brings you out of it these people are scared and if they're scared you're scared and i find that with a lot of modern stuff is if the character's not scared why the hell should we be yeah, and especially these are characters who are, you know, trained, yeah. you know, army men with rifles. They've got a bloody great bazooka, yeah. and yeah. they still can't stop them, you know? Yeah, this, this is scarier than, than the whole of the new Terminator film. Yes. You know, yeah. for, for having a relentless robot coming after you. Yeah, and it's it's the way they crash in through that gate. They're in that yard, yeah. aren't they? And yes. and you know, uh, the colonel has to get up yeah. onto the crates with the other guy. And it always, you know. it always reminds me. I don't know whether it is. I might have read it. Was it always reminds me of the um, from the the war machines? The sequence there, as if it might even be the same area, street area they filmed it in. And I don't know if you've ever seen the war machines again. But yeah. That, that yeah, that's sort of the the first hint of contemporary who. Uh, which is really good, and this always reminds me of that. And it's there's something. It, do you think it's because it's real location and we're not? We're I not think so. I think it's why I find you know the Avengers so yeah, um, you know just charming. You know yeah. that they are on the streets of London. You know, um, no, no, it's terrific stuff. You know, and you know that the, the, the Colonel is the only one that actually escapes. Yes, all the others are killed, and he goes back, doesn't he, to that shop where the Doctor and the others are. And Nicholas Courtney's brilliant. The despair. You, yeah. After this, you never see the brigadier this forlorn. No, and he's lost in his such men. Despair. His men have been killed. He's got no option now. And this is the point at which he 
he sort of falls back on the first, for the first time of perhaps science can get us out of this whereas a, you know, a bullet can't. Um, mm. But yeah, he's, he's superb in this. He's really, I mean, he's a brilliant actor. Yeah. Um, I think if I, right, yeah, yeah, if, I, if I was watching this as a four-year-old, I think the thing that would have creeped me the hell out is just after that, when the colonel is explaining what's happened, you have two yetis come through the door, yeah. and then <laughs> the camera just like stops, and then Travis's face peers from between them, and it's that yeah. look on his face. I think that would have freaked me the heck out, the way he just stares at them like that. Yeah, it's uh, there's always something about someone that you you get to know being taken over, isn't it? Mm. And it's uh, yeah, it, the the cliffhanger endings in in all of this is every one of them is really good. I mean, it is a terrific story, and yeah. I do really really rate it. Yep. I do wonder what the ultimate plan of the great intelligence is because we find out all along that it is being staff. The great yeah. intelligence has controlled staff. Everybody thinks the red herring is the is the reporter, isn't it? Because yeah. So the first first time I read the book of this novelization, and I didn't really know the story, and I remember being really upset when you find out it's staff sergeant uh, because Arnold, Arnold, because yes. he's um, he's such a great character. He is, um, and it's, it's you feel I, I like that they make a line about that he when he wasn't being taken over that was actually him he was a brave man he was a, a you know a loyal man and i like that because i he's such a good character but yeah you you sort of think it might be chorley but it might be too obvious but then you think oh they might be playing the double double bluff yeah and the very obvious person is the bad guy um, see first time i watched yeah. it I, I i thought it was evans but i kept yeah. being contradicted you know yeah Mm. It's good. Yeah. It's good. But I do wonder what the great intelligence's plot is because yeah. well, it, it makes grabs, no, yeah, it makes yeah, no sense whatsoever. No, no sense because he he grabs the TARDIS yeah. in space in a yeah. web, forces it to land in London. But but th this is all to get the Doctor, isn't it? It's all to yeah, capture so, the Doctor and wipe his mind. Yeah, he he wants to he wants the Doctor's knowledge and he wants the Doctor gone, doesn't he? Presumably for revenge or whatever. But that that implies that. That he must have known the Doctor was going to be passing that part of space mm. at that particular time, or or is it just unconnected? And he was going to take over the underground anyway. I mean, I'm not entirely sure why he's taken over the underground. I don't know. That. Understand the yeah. whole taking over of London thing. I well, don't they they the point it, that. They, in, in the uh, Matt Smith when they retconned it that that Matt Smith tells him to do that. That that's where oh, the Earth yeah. defenders are. Yeah, which I think is 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 funny, but then is very belittling of this story mm. but yeah the the actual plot i mean a lot of the 1960s taken over the earth by taking over london plots didn't really hold up did they no i do like the ending of the web of fear in yes. that the doctor's got a plan and it doesn't go his way yeah it would be so it if they'd have just left him be he could have drained the great intelligence completely yes yeah it's the fact that his friends help him i love that i mean pat Trouton does play peeved really well yeah <laughs> you've ruined it you've ruined yeah. it yeah and and yes that they actually save the great intelligence yeah. he, 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 he spirits away off into the ether doesn't he yeah and it's a strange i mean um, we know we know now that it was copyright reasons and they fell out with the two writers but it's a shame they never brought him back in classic mm. who mm. you know this could he could have been like the the prototype master, you know, the constant foe that's yeah. 
Yeah. You could have Travers come back. The Doctor could, yeah. at some point yeah. could still go back and see Travers. I bet there's or been something. some big finish or something with Travers. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. All right, well, shall we do behind the scenes? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I've got an awful lot here. Okay. Um, yeah, Bonnable Snowman. Um, yes. Now, both stories um, owe their existence to a chance meeting when Patrick Troughton was uh, walking down uh, Kew High Street and bumped into writer Henry Soskin. Who, who he knew. Um, Henry had been an actor and uh, knew Patrick from his um, acting days. And while they were having a natter, Patrick started moaning that so few of his Who stories were set on Earth at that time. Yeah. At that time, you know, that he talked to him, not at that time in the stories. Yeah. Um, and that got Henry thinking, and he mentioned it to his writing partner, who was called Mervyn Hazeman. And uh, they both thought of what legendary creature they could have the Doctor going up against. And... The first idea was the Loch Ness Monster, to do a story with the yep. Loch Ness Monster. I don't know if that would have worked with uh, special effects in the 60s. It didn't really work 10 years no. later with Tom Baker, no. did it? No, I don't, I don't think that. I mean, they, they probably could have done something with it, but no, I don't think they could have done it. I mean, um, Henry Lincoln was, uh, was a, a, a very well-known merchant of woo, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he believed in a lot of, of wacky stuff. Of course, he was the one that... That wrote the very famous um, "Jesus Christ had a bloodline descendants," mm-hmm. all that sort of song real holy grail bollocks, mm-hmm. didn't he? Um, yeah, so so I can imagine him going through his trope of probably creatures that he believed greatly in. Yes, yeah. Well, at that time, um, you know, every so often you do get a bit of press interest in, in the yep. Yeti, and they've been back in the papers, so they decided to, you know, oh, what about that? And Henry went to see Patrick and to see whether the creatures had ever been used, and Patrick said no, but it sounds like a good idea. So, uh, so they decided to write a story, and that's when Henry Soskin developed a pen name to differentiate himself from, you know, his acting and his yeah. writing. So that's where, why it says Henry Lincoln yeah. on the credits. Um, and even before they... Well. Yeah, it could be that as well. Even before they wrote a word, they, the guys, they were drawing out sketches yeah. of what they wanted the Yeti to be like. And, and right from the get-go, they wanted it to look quite harmless and cuddly because the idea is that when they become violent, it's that more startling. Yeah. Yeah, well, you you see a, I mean, you see the same costume, don't you, at the end of the Obama moment, and it's the the shy, elusive, real Yeti. Um, mm. So, but they're not. I mean, they're pretty uh, noticeable, aren't they? If they're shy and elusive creatures, yes, the size yes, the size of a fridge. They are, yes, and also at this very early stage, the the control sphere idea. They had already oh, right. nailed that down right from the get go. Yeah. There was going to be a control sphere in them. Um, Jack Kine, of course, yep. you know, the legendary Jack Kine was given the job of uh, overseeing the construction of the Yeti. And uh, they were made from foam rubber built over a bamboo frame, yep. then, then covered with fake fur, uh, costing a thousand pounds each. They were almost seven feet tall. Um, the body was effectively one large section with a zip up the back and the, hat sat, the head sat on top yeah. and uh, the operators looked out of a small gauze section roughly where its nose would have been. Yeah, they, they, look, they probably were the only warm people on Snowden that day. Yes. yes. Of course, um, uh, our lovely Sergeant Benton 
Oh, John, John Levine. Levine. Yes, yeah. John, John Levine was one of them. Yes, yeah. um, a, a very talented ceramics craftsman was roped in to create the claws and feet, and oh, he's right, the one yeah. who sculpted they are, them. Yeah, they're really nice. They are. Yes, um, the interior of the control spheres were repurposed interiors from the Cybermats. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a gut of a Cybermat in there. No. Yeah. Now you, you just said back there there was a falling out with the BBC. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know this bit, but Mervyn decided to adapt the screenplay of The Abominable Snowman to become a novel, right? By removing all the Who characters and inserting new ones, right? And when that failed, because the book book publishers didn't want it, he turned it back into a screenplay called The Intelligence, with a view to selling it to Walt Disney. But this time, instead of the Doctor uh, being the hero, it would be uh, Professor Challenger from The Lost World. Yeah. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. Because you can see Professor Challenger over yeah. in Himalayas like that, can't you? Could, you could, yeah. It would suit him down to the ground. Yeah. So, Web of Fear next, okay. Um, everyone, while they were making Web of Fear, uh, um, a Bonham Snowman, but everybody had a good uh, feeling about it. Everybody thought yeah. it was going to do very well. So, a sequel was commissioned. Yeah, this um, is this is it's hard to think back, but this is this was still an unusual thing. So the Daleks had appeared more than once. The Cybermen had appeared a couple of times, but n- pretty much no other no. Uh, monster had. So yeah, it must have been quite a surprise for you know to to see the Yeti back. Yeah, and, and you know it was commissioned even before Episode One was yeah. transmitted. I mean, it was that early in the day. Um, the story editor at the time was Peter Bryant, and uh, he was going to become a producer on the show. Yep. And he wanted a success because he's going to be the new producer. So he wanted more stories with monsters, uh, as he had noticed that viewing figures went up yep. whenever it had monsters in it. You Everyone know, I likes guess. a monster. Yeah, and then I guess Enemy of the World, it drops yep. back down again. You know, And he wanted a success because he's the producer, so he was all behind it. Um, the, the costumes had to be remade because, you know, I guess the rigours of filming on Snowden had yeah. uh, knackered them somewhat. Um, and also the fact they were considered to be a bit too cuddly. Um, yeah, also, and, also they, yeah, they, were, they were noticeably wider. So I imagine yes. it must have been difficult in a small studio. Fine if you're on Snowden, difficult in a small, small studio to have more than one Yeti on set. Yes, and it says here Jack Lovell was given the job of recreating them, and the remit was thinner and yep. more menacing. Um, and so, yeah, they changed the fur um, and to make it look less like a teddy bear, like you say. Yep. Um, and the eyes were added with small lights in because they knew it would be down in the darkness of the uh, yeah. underground. So let's give them eyes. Glowing yes. eyes, always good. Yes, you said earlier. Yeah, they they approached uh, London Underground to film yeah. down there um, um, tra- the London Transport wanted £200 an hour Jeez. this is in 60s money £200 per hour to film there and only between 2am and 5am so apart from uh, some you know outside scenes uh, no everything was recreated at the BBC and as you say they saw that London Transport saw that oi <laughs> yeah. who let you down there yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I think is fabulous. I think that's a testament to the set builders. Yes, yeah. And pretty much all made out of wood. Yeah. Bloody solid wood, as yeah. you say, because there's no, there, there's no echoing on it at yeah, all, is there? Yeah, it doesn't there? sound like plywood like it normally gets. No, and um, the, when you see the uh, 
the train rails, they, they are wood as well, but they've just got chrome tape stuck over them to make yeah. them look like metal. Yeah. Um, there was going to be a third story. Again, this yeah. is because of, you know, the dispute that the writers had. Um, it was going to be called The Laird of McCrimmon, which would have been, you know, a Jamie story. Yeah. And it would have been the end of Jamie. It would have been the writing of, uh, of right? the Jamie character. Yeah, and the, yet he would have been in that as well. Um, what What's next? Of course, they're the two Yeti stories, but, you know, they lived on in various times as well. Yes. I mean, um, during the war games where, you know, uh, the doctor's on trial, he refers to the Yeti as when, one of many threats that he had to uh, yeah. encounter. Um, John Pertwee, when he took over the mantle of the doctor... I guess the Yeti costume was available because there was a, a, an awful lot of publicity photos taken yeah, with quite, him quite hamming it up with a Yeti. Yeah, and he, and he of always course, had his famous uh, saying, didn't he? Uh, he's got the yeah. line about nothing, yeah. no, no, nothing more terrifying than finding a Yeti on the loo in Tootin Beck, yeah. wasn't it? So, yes. so this, yeah, so it means the Yeti must have been well in the public eye um, as a Doctor Who monster at this point. <laughs> well. He, he took over in, what, 70? 1970, yeah. Yes, yeah, so this is four years later. Yeah. Um, but they've still got a costume, and, you know, it's fit to, you know, have, uh, have it appear yeah. with the Doctor. I guess so, yes, yes. Um, the next time the Yeti are actually mentioned, though, is Mordrin Undead, and that's quite a bit later, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's um, when the Brigadier comes back. Of course, it should have been Ian Chesterton, which means hmm. the Brigadier, again, so a bit like Travers... Travers uh, became a scientist, and Brigadier becomes a maths teacher. Yes, yeah, mm, mm, I don't know about that. And yeah, he's amnesiac, and the doctor mentions the yes. Yeti to try and, and yeah. bring his memory Johnny's back. Memory. Yeah, we have a Yeti, of course, in the Five Doctors, we do, don't yeah. we? Well, briefly. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be controlled by the great intelligence in that. Though, no, it's just, it? yeah. yeah. And do you think that's in Wales? Do you think they actually went to Wales for that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think they took it to some cave, didn't they? Right. Somewhere. Right. Probably it might have been Wookiee Hole, I suppose. But uh, no, it's definitely, yeah, they took the, the Yeti suit on location. Yeah. Um, and the Brigadier mentions in Battlefield that um, yep. the Yeti were one of the main, many aliens that unit was yeah. prepared for. Um, you mentioned the Matt Smith story. Yeah, yeah. the great, uh, great intelligence is mentioned in that, isn't he? Yeah, it's nice, nice that he came back. I just wish he'd come back a bit earlier. Do you think that the Yeti should come back? Do you think if yeah, they did it again? I mean, they brought the Ice so. Warriors back. Yeah. They brought the Sontarans back. What do you I'd reckon? Like, I'd like to see the Yeti back, just to see a modern take on it. I think mm. it would be good. It's a shame that in that Matt Smith one, they went with actual snowmen rather than abominable snowmen. Um, I don't know whether they did that for budget or did they think that the Yeti would be just, you know, silly. But yeah, know. I'd like to see him back. There's been an awful lot of silliness with New Who. I yeah. can't, I, I can't I just, see them being any sillier no, than that's true. some of them. Like spinning Christmas trees. Um, do you think they would do them as CGI, though? Like the I would hope not. It would, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there's some brilliant costumers still out yeah. there. But, you you know? Know, I, I, perhaps that's... Yeah. I hope they All do. Right. It'd be nice. All right. Well, other media. We've got other media here. I, how many of these have you read, seen, or bought? Right. Okay. Um, have you got the Eagle Moss figure? Uh, I haven't. Not of the Yeti, no. Well, there's two, isn't there? There's one that's already out, and that's the Web of Fear version. But I know I, I, I saw that there, there's going to be an abominable snowman one soon. 
Oh, good. There's um, a load of them I need to get, actually. Every time I go well, on the website, they're bloody sold out of everything. They're sold out. I mean, I look yeah. on eBay for them, and yeah. um, I know I know the Yeti goes for quite a lot of money. Yeah. So it must have been a special edition or something. Yeah. Well, it's, a bit, it's a big fat thing. It takes a lot of resin. But... It certainly does. Right. Do you know the book Times Squared? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. That's set in the same year as Web of Fear. And the great intelligence is using the Yeti to launch an attack on the Brigadier in New York City. Oh. So it's like revenge on the Brigadier. Yeah. Well, Colonel. You would have been the Colonel. That could be good or it could be bad. Yes. Um, Downtime. Downtime. That video. Remember that one? Yeah. I used to have that on VHS. Yeah, because that had Victoria in it, didn't it? Well, it had Deborah Watlin in it. I wouldn't say she was actually playing Victoria (laughs) because the character was nothing like it. Um, Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that. Again, it's nice to see the Yeti back. Because the brigadier's in that brigadier's as well, isn't he? Brigadier's back in his flat cap. In his flat cap, yeah. There's a book called The Men Who Sold the World. Nope, don't remember. And it's a Torchwood one. Ah, right. Where a Yeti sidearm was removed from the hub. Oh. I don't know what that means. Well, the, um, hub, the hub was where Torchwood stored all their alien technology, wasn't it? See, I never, wa- I never watched Torchwood. You never watched Torchwood? No, uh, I could never get into yeah. it, No. Uh, in the comics, in the, yes, the, the monthly, yep. there's a comic called The Age of Ice, uh, yep. where the unit under base contained a Yeti salvaged from a past alien invasion of Earth. Oh, right. so you read that yeah, one. I read that one. The Yeti also appear in a TV comic or TV action, but they weren't called the Yeti, were they? they were called Snow Monkeys or something. Snow because monkeys. because of they'd just felt fallen out, and the BBC had just fallen out, and... Um, uh, Lincoln and Hazeman said, "Nope, you're not using that." So they went, "Yeah, we'll just we'll just call them <laughs> something different." Snow monkeys, because yeah. they look just like a monkey, yeah, don't they? Yeah, oh, exactly dear. the same. Uh, and in the comic strip, Yonder the Yeti. Oh yeah, does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's explorers searching for the Yeti captured yep. by the Great Intelligence, and a llama calls the real Yeti to battle yep. the robot ones. Yeah, that was one of the. the wonderful backup strips they used to do in Doctor Who Weekly and Monthly. Oh, what, featuring. one of those little five-page yeah, ones it, yeah. with David no, Lloyd artwork Yeah, and no stuff. Doctor. In fact, I think this was David Lloyd. No Doctor, but just a great little... I mean, someone should collect all them together, really. Oh, they would be brilliant. Yeah. I remember that there was an Auton one with a yep, melted yep, face. That was it, David yeah. Lloyd. That was brilliant. There was a yeah. brilliant Zygon one. That yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah, they should do that. Um, the Yeti also appeared in uh, the second Troughton Annual, didn't he? But only as an illustration, no story. Just an illustration. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's another novel called The Hollow Men, and that's a Seventh Doctor one, where he figures out he was dreaming because a Yeti asked him if he had a cigarette. Oh, right. I've actually got that. I, that, was, that came in one of my mystery boxes. In one of your uh, mystery, one of my boxes. mystery boxes, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. You've got a Yeti I in one of those have a books. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. There's another novel called Earthworld, where the, there's an Earthworld theme park on New Jupiter which has got a replica Yeti as part of the 20th century London Zone attraction. Oh. Right. Uh, there's a comic called Party Animals, where a Yeti attended Bond Jax's birthday party. Okay, can you say so? <laughs> sounds yeah. sounds uh, strange. This one sounds interesting. There's a comic called Time and Time Again, which is an alternative right. timeline created by the Black Guardian, where the first Doctor never left Gallifrey and became Lord President instead. The Yetis were one of the many forces that invaded Earth and fought over the planet with invaders of various alien races. Oh, right. So, would he, so everyone that was invading at that point ended up having a dust-up. Yeah, because there's not the Doctor there to yeah. protect it. That's good. Yeah. Oh, but that timeline was destroyed 
uh, when the seventh Doctor uh, retrieves the key to time. Oh, he's always doing something destructive, isn't he? He is, doctor. yes. Uh, what else have we got? Um, yes, there's another novel called Millennial Rights, where the intelligence used sheer will to transform the material around it into an eight-foot-tall Yeti. As you All right. Now, yes, you alluded to it earlier. Um, Web of Fear kicked off the whole unit dating controversy. Yes, yeah. Yes, because the the abominable abominable snowman took place in 1935. Yes, right? which is then said in Web of Fear took place over 40 years ago. Yes. Okay, that means Web of Fear is set sometime no earlier than 1975, so somewhere yep. between 75 and 80. Correct. Right? And since Lethbridge Stewart is only a colonel in it, it means his next appearance in the invasion and all the ones take place after that all took place after that. Well, I, think, I, mean. I think in Spearhead and Space, um, space, space, Spearhead from Space, the Brigadier does say the, that business with the Yeti three years ago, doesn't he? So oh, right. that, that would put, that would be up to what, 78? Yes, for the maybe eighty space, yeah, nineteen eighty, which sort, the... that also fits in with Sarah Jane. Yes, uh, she said she came from nineteen eighty, so that fits in with that. But a lot of people think that the Tom Baker, early Tom Baker ones, were set at the time that the thing was filmed. So you're talking seventy four. Yeah, so I mean, so the evidence against it being set, they always said that. Um, like I think Derek Sherwin always said that he viewed the. Uh, the unit stories as being set in the near future, which, yeah. you know, 75, 78, that would work. I think the only thing that contradicts that is the aforementioned uh, uh, Mordrin Undead, isn't it? Yes. Um, which, there's, there's the reason it, it's terrible like that is, it, like I say, it was written for Ian Chesterton. It was meant to be Ian Chesterton returning, uh, which would have been amazing. I would have loved that. Oh, yeah. um, and then... I think it was. I think I. 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 I'm probably blaming JNT here when it wasn't him, but I'm sure I've read somewhere that it was JNT's idea that they used the Silver Jubilee because that's something easy to set a date for. Mm. But of course, it throws all the unit dating out, and, yep. and it's been argued ad nauseum ever since. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of people say that the John Nathan Turner era. The idea is that yeah the. The setting is the year yeah, that the year. it's transmitted. <laughs> yeah. um, but apparently, I don't remember it, but uh, the 10th Doctor says in the Sontaran Stratagem that uh, he worked for unit in the 70s or 80s. Yes. That every time they mention the unit years in New Who, they rather cleverly avoid the subject or make a joke of it, um, mm. which I, I quite like because... I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's a good excuse for a new little, you yeah. know, side thing that we Ooh. do here, which yeah. is whenever there's anything set on Earth, and if we can yeah. kind of like guess, yeah. you know, we, we we'll state it. So here we've got, you know, 1935, the Himalayas. That's set. We know that. Yeah, That's and mentioned. sometime late 70s, yeah. London, the Web of Fear. Yes. Because I think as we build this list up, there's going to be an awful lot going on in the 70s, yes, isn't there? Yes, it's a busy time, isn't it? Because we had it's made ourselves It's practically every other week. And, yeah. But with which doctor? They're all going to be like springing yeah. up all over the place, aren't they? Well, we're, we're rapidly, with, with the new ideas in Doctor Who, we're rapidly going to get to the point where every single person in the universe is the doctor at one point. Well, yeah, the way it's going, yes. Yep. I might have been the doctor. You might have been, yeah. You might have been the master. I might have been. 
you've got the goatee and I haven't, so I'm the doctor and you're the, the master. That's true, yes. I've, yes. Got the, I've got the cat on my lap like an evil genius. <laughs> you are evil then. All yes. Right. All right, well, I've got a calculator on my lap. I haven't Good got a cat. Because, well, yes. a cheap pet, I suppose. Yes, yes. All right, so, yeah, the next bit before we go today is yeah. the design and effectiveness rating, right? Yes. Now, we've done this already uh, with the Vords, didn't we? We did, yes. Um, would you like a reminder of yes, what, reminder. what we gave the Vords, just to, um, you know, well, to see if you, yeah. if, if you want to compare to... Two episodes in, I've forgotten everything I said last time. All right. Well, we agree, because what we do is yeah. you give your rating, I give my rating, we add them together, divide by two, that gives it an average, yep. all right? And the Vords, I think we agreed last time, we both agreed yeah, that the Vords we did, yeah. were a seven. Yeah, I think so. We're talking about the design now. Yes. You know, you look at a photo of it, what do you reckon, Ian? Well, I, I this is abominable, this is abominable Yeti. Abominable. I would, yes, I would go abominable. I would go a five. Um, you I think can't, it, copied me uh, again. Uh, I think it's middling. I, th I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it, but I don't think it particularly works very well. No, no. I mean, yes, I've got my calculator out for absolutely no reason. Yes, I mean, you look at a photo; it's average, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's yeah. a it, it's a big, bulky, hairy yeah. thing, right? But Mm. No, yeah. yeah, no, no, five. All right, a five. Yeah. So if, if the abominable version is a five, yeah. what about the Yeti, well, the, the, uh, the, the, the web version? The web version, I think, works so much better. It's a much better design. It's still, it, it has a, a strangely shaped head, but I, it depends on the angle that it's shot. So I imagine it's been designed that if you're looking up at it, it looks quite good. If you're looking sideways at it, it looks a bit strangely misshapen. Um, so I would go, uh, I'd go, they're, they're equal with the word for me. They're a seven for Webber What is the point of me having a calculator? <laughs> That's the, I swear, yeah. I've got Abominable 5 and the web version See, it's, 7. It's because we think alike. Yes, yeah. yes, and we yes. haven't discussed. Well, you're the master, and I'm the doctor. We're mirror images true, of each yes, other, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, we'll probably, we'll probably end up as brothers. Yes, that'll be the next thing. Maybe, maybe we are. Maybe I should have a word with my mum. Did you ever go off yeah. to Oxford? You know, sometime like, in the late sixties. Yeah. You say to your dad, "Did you ever buy school?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so that's design wise, right? Yeah. So 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 the web yeti ties with the Fords yes. with a seven. And uh, the abominable is a five, but the effectiveness of them now. Okay, so yeah. just as a reminder, <coughs> we agreed on a four yeah. for the boards. So go on then, abominable. The abominables, I would say that's probably. Don't copy me again. No, I'm going to say uh, uh, a four for the abominable um, because I just find them too darn cute. Uh, they don't work for me as a monster because I just want to go, no, I want to go up and nuzzle it. Um, if this was yeah. a video cast, I'd hold my piece of paper Where's up it? to the Has screen because that's exactly what I've uh, put. Um, we're never going to disagree on this well, flaming programme, I don't think. We might disagree on the next one. So, um, the, so the Web of Fear ones, I think they work really well, but I would go a six on that because they, at the end of the day, they're still a big furry creature and there's... I don't like their belt. I did a, a Yeti in like belt just doesn't work. It, I bet they got that belt from Tarrant as well. Yeah, Tarrant. One yeah, of Tarrant. Bloody Tarrant. Well, we disagree. Finally, oh, right, we okay. fi finally got a disagreement. Um, I gave it a five. Really? Oh, I thought yeah, you'd go higher than that. Ju 
just average. No, 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 just five, just five. Yeah. So um, five and a half then. Five and a half. I think that's fair because at the end of the day, furry creatures generally aren't that scary if they're cuddly, are they? It's. I think if it would have been like, I, mean, I don't know, would it have worked if it was more Chewbacca-ish? No, probably not. I'm hurriedly trying to write down what yeah. you just said there for a t-shirt. Generally right. speaking, furry creatures aren't what? Aren't scary if they're cuddly. Aren't scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, yes, yeah, so um, design-wise, the Web Yeti and the Vords are tops yep. with the Abominable just under. And effectiveness-wise, the Web Yeti is tops, uh, then joint with the void yep. Vords is the abominable version. I think that's fair. That seems to be the, the scale seems to be holding up at the moment. It is yeah. right now, but you know, um, who knows what future uh, yeah. adversaries are going to do. And that leads me very nicely into the wrap-up part of this, yep. which is next time. Next time, yeah. So, so it's my choice this time, isn't it? And uh, just yeah. say to the listener, I have absolutely no clue what Ian's no. just about to say. When we do these things, you know, the other person... We'll find out when you find out. So, third doctor, then Ian, who well, have you choosing? This, this was a this. I was thinking long and hard, and I thought the one I would like to hear your opinion on is the axons from the claws the of Axos. Yeah, I don't know. I, I should really check whether you've got it because you might have to. Go I have got it. it. Oh, you got it. Because I haven't got all the no. John Pertwee's. There, there are gaps in my collection, but I have got the axons. Oh, that's good. Yes, then. that's good. Yes. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what you think of this one because it's, yeah, it's very different to our normal Quatermassy style, isn't it? In its production. I'm, I'm glad you said this yeah. because I've only got, I've only, I think I've only watched it once. Oh, right. Well, I might have watched it back, you know, when I was little on transmission, yeah. but I've only watched it once on DVD when our son was younger and we would sit down practically every week and, you know, watch a new classic Who. And um, it was a good excuse to buy up some missing uh, John Pertwee's. Yeah. So I have got this one, but I haven't watched it for a good oh, oh, four or five years, maybe. Really? Oh, I see. It'll be a real revisit for you. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That's a story. When I think, oh, I fancy watching a Doctor Who. I fancy watching a John Pertwee. That's not one that really springs no. to mind, you know. No, and that's what because I was thinking, you know, Sea Devils, things like that. And I, like, everyone knows it, and I thought, mm, I wonder if because I didn't, I, I didn't even know if you had seen it. But I think, yeah, I think it's a good one to discuss. It's not, it's not one I've watched endlessly. I've seen it about three times, so it's not one I watched endlessly. But I think it, it, it will be interesting to see what you make of it. It's going to be very yeah. difficult, I think, to actually talk about that because we've got to restrain ourselves because, you know, every, like, 14th episode, we're going to talk about a classic adversary. Yes, that's true. And at some point, oh, we've got to yeah. talk about the master, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, but we're not, we're, so we're not, yeah, you, you have to hold your, cover your eyes when the master comes on. We've got to skip over all, about, the, yeah. all the Delgado bits. That's going to be difficult, it isn't will, it? will, yes, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to start researching, starting excellent. with watching it. You know. So, yeah. oh well. Thank th thank you for that choice. Yeah. No problem, excellent. No problem. All right. Well, yes, uh, listener, come back uh, in a couple of weeks, yes. and we should have done our research, and uh, we should have something to say. So, yeah. Thank you, Ian. No problem. Enjoyed it as always. All right. Smashing. See you next time. Thanks, Ian. Bye. Bye. Bye.